and his countless blessings share. The basis of my message is from the gospel reading just read to you these words. For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in glory of his Father with the holy angels. Good morning. Greetings and peace in the name of Jesus, who is our suffering servant. If you wish, inside your bulletin is a yellow sheet. Uh, there's a gem from Scripture and from Luther that sort of captures the theme of the message today. You may take notes if you'd like to. A joy to have you here, especially all guests and all visitors today. As you can see, we continue our uh, sermons based upon the, the small group Bible study being challenged. And today we talk about being committed to Scripture. All of us know of someone who's been pretty gifted at an early age, and we know of people who have been mentored and tutored, and there's also protégés, people who exceed at a very young life. But all these people who are protégés, who are wunderkinds, who do quite well early at life, chances are that they had a mentor in their life. For example, Ken Griffey Jr., about 20, 25 years ago, he's a wonderful baseball player. Does anyone guess who his mentor was, somebody who influenced him? Do you know? His father, Ken Griffey Sr., right on, and he took after him. He was a great baseball player, a home run king sort of guy. Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart was also a wunderkind, a protege, very talented. Um, at the age of eight, he was known as a master of music, something that usually isn't given to someone in their mid-20s. Um, by the time he died, at the early age of 35, um, he wrote over 600 scores of music. Many still bless people around the world. Do you know who his mentor was? Of course, his father, but a gifted musician by the name of Hayden, another young protege mentored by someone else. Pablo Picasso was also um, rather unknown until he got into his late teen years. And today, if we see a painting that's quite well, we might even call it a Picasso, because it's so uh, well done, and Pablo Picasso was a very gifted artist, and his paintings are worth millions today, and he was mentored by a person by the name of Georges Brach. Uh, he's a very gifted painter and talented. Of course, Luke Skywalker, right? A New Hope. Can anyone tell me who his mentor was? Say it. Come on. Yoda, that's right, or who else? Obi-Wan Kenobi, right? Baby Yoda, I mean, not quite Baby Yoda, but yeah, later in life, yeah. There's a lot of Baby Yodas being sold, okay? <laughs> Whoever invented that to young protege who's wealthy, okay? But anyways, Luke Skywalker was also mentored. Uh, the force was with him. Ralph Waldo Emerson was a very gifted writer in the mid-19th century. Um, who mentored him? Well, he was very influenced by the German writer von Goethe, and his aunt, Mary Emerson, also assisted him in his writing. Even today, his writing is very profound, if you ever read that. And there's Clay Matthews III, graduate of the University of Southern Cal. Does anyone know who he plays for now? I know he used to play for the Packers. Is he with the Texans? I'm not sure. Who's he playing for? Oh, the Rams. Thank you. Now, I had to bring this up because I'm a Cleveland fan, and who was his mentor? His dad is who? Clay Matthews Jr., who played for the who? He's also uh, on the ballot for the Hall of Fame. Yes, Clay Matthews III. And Plato, the great scholar wisdom of ancient Greece. Anybody know who his mentor was, who tutored him? Who? 
the Aristarchus, somebody got it, Socrates. Plato went on to influence Aristotle, who influenced Alexander the Great. It wouldn't be fair to bring up child prodigies, gifted children mentored by others, none other than Harry Potter. And who was his mentor? Dr. Dumbledore, that's right. Yes, yeah, so if you've been to Universal Studios in Florida, there's a big section for him. Now, finally, to the point I want to make, are any of you familiar with Susan, Sophia, and Judith Polgar? Well, they were probably the best children, Potizé, par excellence. Uh, their father, Laszlo, had this vision, and he said that uh, people don't have an innate ability. Everything is due to the environment. And so he began writing a woman by the name of Claire and telling him that he had this plan that if he could raise children, he'd raise children to become like chess experts. And they started dating and courting, and the next thing they fell in love and they got married. They had these three daughters, and they wanted to make them into chess experts, so they decorated their home with, uh, with players playing chess and chess tournaments and pictures of chess champions. They began having played chess and learning the basics of chess at age three and four. By the age eight or nine, uh, Susan and Sophia were beginning to win local tournaments against grown adults. In the latest scale there, Judith. Judith became the world grandmaster chess champion at the age of 15. And it sort of clarified what their parents, Laszlo and Clara, suspected, that if we simply raise our children in a certain environment and the only thing we do is dump in them one certain gift or skill, they will do excel at it. And so they're world famous. Uh, the sisters have won many world chess championships. Uh, Judith retired in 2015. I, I didn't know this. You know that Hungary, Hungary has like a, uh, she's a coach of the men's world, the men's um, Hungarian chess team. I didn't know that, did you? I never watched watch a chess match. I think they're probably pretty smart. But it all goes to the power of mentoring and protégés and influence. And um, what a blessing that is. So you don't have to yell this out. Who are your mentors? Are your mentors? Were your mentors? Who do you remember the most? Was it a parent, a coach? Was it a boss? Was it your aunt or other family members? People who influenced you, who mentored you, maybe they saw something inside you today that you quite excel at. There's no doubt about the power of mentors. There's a tie between mentors and habits because mentors teach us habits and habits help form who we are and our identity. All three go together. If I pick on the Polgar sisters or even on Luke Skywalker, their identity habits and their mentors all sort of fit together. Their identity for the Polgar sisters, let's play chess, and they picked up habits for that, and their manners and their identity became shaped with that so much that they're world famous for chess playing. Never knew that. And so we continue our small group uh, sermon series over being challenged Why a closer relationship to Jesus. Now, our identity, identity is a word that comes from Latin and means repeated beingness. It's who we are. We continually repeat to be that person we are. So I think maybe for, the, for Luke Skywalker, if you're familiar with the Star Wars movies, he's constantly being uh, called and remade to Luke, remember your mission and remember who you are, and Luke and all this stuff. And for the Polgar sisters, they had repeating beingness. This is who you are. Remember, you're chess players, you're chess champions. This is what we put into you. And even for sports stars, remember who exactly you are and what you do well. It's repeated beingness. And so to find our real identity, we have to look to God. For in God we live, we move, and we have our being. And without God, we're nothing more than accidents of, create, of, of evolution. Both God, we have our being. C.S. Lewis, the great writer of the 19th century, said this, that God made us, 
C.S. Lewis calls a machine. God made our machine, our body, our soul, our mind, and God's the only one that can fix it and repair it and know how it runs. And everything else is just fake. And friends in Christ, if we don't see God as the center of your life, then you're stuck with what I call the four Ps. Performance, personality, power, or pleasure. You're stuck with the Ps of this world if God's not the center of your life because then something else is running your machine that wasn't designed to run your machine. But we, as believers, we find our meaning in God. Now, how does God speak to us? God speaks to us in his scripture. And how do I hear God's voice? Well, he's speaking now because God speaks through his word. And so today we're going to hear about being like Jesus because Jesus studied scripture. Do you any remember when Jesus was 12, 13 years old and his family was returning to Jerusalem and they couldn't find Jesus? Do you remember where they found Jesus at? Just go ahead and say it. Where was he? In the temple. And they said, Jesus, we've been looking for you. Where have you gone? He said, don't you know that I need to be in my father's house? So adolescence, Jesus in the temple, and he was learning, he was growing, and he was even teaching and influencing. He was a protege, but of course he's God Almighty. And Jesus also went to the temple. He went to the temple and the synagogue frequently. Many times we hear in modern America that we want to be more like Jesus. Amen to that. But if a person doesn't come to church, they can't be more like Jesus. Why? Because Jesus went to the temple and the synagogue all the time. So anyone who says you can be like Jesus without coming to church is a bold-faced liar. You can't become like Jesus without being in God's house. Jesus spent much time in the temple and synagogue. So we want to be like Jesus. We need to go to his house where his word is spoken. Anyone who tells you different is not speaking the truth to you. Eighty times Jesus quoted the Old Testament. He always quoted the Old Testament. Why? Because he knew it. He learned it in the temple. He learned it in the synagogue. He learned it from the priests. And he knew the scripture quite well. And Jesus spoke 1,800 verses in red. Let me ask you, in your home, do you have a Bible that has red letters in it? Like in my home, it's an older Bible. I know what I'm talking about. Brooks and Dunn once sung, sung a country hit called uh, Old Man Wrigley. And Old Man Wrigley was a believer, and he always talked about the words written in red. But Jesus spoke 1,800 verses in the Bible himself, and they're all written in red. So if you ever have a Bible and you find red writing, that's what Jesus said directly. And 10% of them were from the Old Testament. Let me ask you now, what would your life be like if 10% of everything you said was Scripture? Well, if every 10 words were from the Bible, or every one out of every 10 sentences were from the Bible, how would your life be different if 10% of what you said was directly from the Bible? Well, let me ask you this. How would your life be different if you memorized 10% of the New Testament? I had a professor in the seminary, Dr. Seleska. He, spent, he told our class, he said he spent the summer, one summer in the evenings, memorizing the whole New Testament. So he knew the New Testament from heart, how much that changed and blessed his life. Someone shared with me after yesterday's message that they knew a pastor in our area who had always memorized the gospel lesson of the week when he'd preach on it. What a blessing it is to memorize. So Jesus spoke 1,800 verses. They're all in red. And 10% of everything Jesus said from the Old Testament, Jesus knew the Bible quite well. Maybe we are called to know the Bible quite well itself. The identity of Jesus revealed to his disciples and us. Can you please read this with me? Because this sort of summarizes how Jesus saw the scripture and how Jesus sees us. Please begin reading. He said to them, 
This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their mind so they could understand Scripture. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. Let's stop there. You can't read the Bible unless a person believes Jesus died and rose. If you read the Bible looking for information, it just doesn't work. Martin Luther says the person who reads the Bible without understanding that Jesus died and rose for you, they'll become madder and dumber the more they read. The Bible's only understood when we believe Jesus died and rose for us. Can you read this with me? And you are witnesses of these things that I'm going to send you. Jesus made it quite clear, I've come to fulfill the scripture, to die and rise, and I'm sending you to proclaim what I said in my word. To know his word is to know our identity and who we are and where we are from. Studying scripture helps you discover who God is and who you are. That's where God speaks to us, how God speaks to us. The true place to find identity is only found in God. We can't find it with the world. The world betrays and lies and never fulfills. Can you read this verse with me from Job? It is God who directs the lives of his creatures, everyone's life in his power. Um, If you know Job, Job suffered a lot. So let me ask you, are you suffering with something today? Is something bothering you? Are you going through a crisis? Do you have a fear in your life? Is there pain going on with you? Is your life maybe not quite right? Are you facing a hardship? Are you heartbroken or may you be heartbroken shortly? Has a loved one been affected with COVID so much that it's taken months? You're dealing with some sort of despair. Well, if you are, then you can relate to Job. And God gives us crosses. I call those things crosses, the hurts and the pains. That's what God calls crosses. Why? Because we know that God directs our lives in the cross. We study scripture and we find hope. For in scripture, you'll find hope for the crosses and the pain that you bear. And there you will find a God who loves you dearly in Christ who died for you. In his word, study his word. We step into our identity as a child of God only by faith. So today, Owen and Oliver became children of God. They heard the word of God and the promise of God's word in baptism. We hear God's word, we come into faith. We have a relationship with God in his word. Read that verse with me. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of God. Christ. We also know of our salvation. Have you all memorized this? Please say it with me. If you know it from heart, you'll know it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Make sure you memorize that. That's the core of who we are. Scripture tells us we have eternal life. You ever wonder if you're saved? Simply read that Bible verse. The Bible also calls us his child. See what love the Father has lavished upon us that we should be called God's children. And today we added two more, Owen and Oliver. They're God's children. We are God's children. That's what Scripture tells us. Our identity, our beingness is being renewed that we're children of God. And he chooses me and you to make a difference. Can you read the verse with me? But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. That's who the church is, called together in God's house to hear his word. And we can serve with him right now, for we are co-workers 
in God's service. His word tells us that we're here to bless others. A friend of mine sent me, well, he put on Facebook, something worth sharing about how we make a difference. And you know, we had a lot of snow the past few weeks. And he had a picture of this, stair, this stairway that was about six feet wide. And at the top of their two doors, apparently two people shared this stairway that was six feet wide, led to their two different doors for their, I don't know, their flats or their apartment or whatever, their condos. And, the problem, and it said, this is a problem with the world. And exactly down the middle, somebody shoveled just three feet and left like two feet of snow on the other side. You mean you couldn't just shovel the what? The whole thing? You know, we are co-workers with God. That's what scripture says. We are We work together with God. We're here to bless others and to make a difference. That's what his word tells us to be. So so what? We're saved by hearing his word. We believe in Jesus Christ. We're God's children. We're called out of darkness in his light, and we're co-workers with him to make a difference. And here's the promise for us believers. Nothing can separate us from God's love in Christ. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Anything else in all creation can separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus, Lord. All from the Bible, commit to Scripture. Study the Scripture. Do you? Pearls of prayer. Read a chapter of the Bible daily. If you're an adult, be in some form of Bible study. There's small groups. There's Sunday morning Bible studies. There's life with God. There's all sorts of Bible studies. If you're an adult, commit to Scripture. Be in Scripture. That's where our identity comes from. That's who we are, and that's our identity and well-being. Studying scripture. God gives us our identity, our being in Christ through his word. Dr. Martin Luther said this about the Bible. The Bible has feet, it runs after me. The Bible has hands, it lays hold of me. The Bible has arms, it grabs onto me. That's what scripture does. Once you begin reading it, it's always going to call you back. Our identity and well-being. Somebody once said to me, Pastor, if God would just speak to me, I'd really like that. I said, God, God does speak to you. They said, how? Well, in the Bible. No, I want God to speak to me out loud. Well, then read the Bible out loud. And if you don't want to read the Bible out loud, have somebody else read the Bible out loud to you because that's how and where and when God speaks to you and to me. For in the word of God we find Christ, and Christ is only found in his word, Christ Jesus. Jesus committed to Scripture. Let us, too, commit to Scripture. For these are words, are life, and their life and salvation and blessing. So how about this for a closing thought? Can you say it with me? Speak, O Lord, your servant listens. Let your word to me come near. Newborn life and spirit give me. Let each promise still my fear. Death's dread power, its inward strife. Wars against your word of life. Fill me, Lord, with love's strong fervor that I cling to you forever. And all God's people say...